All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome in to a May 23rd edition of Daily Faceoff Live, brought to you by Batano. The game starts now at batano.ca. We are streaming live on the Daily Faceoff YouTube, as well as our Twitter and Facebook accounts. I'm Tyler Uremchuk, and he is our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. How's it going, Frank? Pretty good, Tyler. How are you? I'm, I'm living. I am living. Uh, before we dig into our four topics today, just a little bit of housekeeping notes, I suppose. Yesterday, we talked about Craig Conroy being the new GM in Calgary. That is going to be made official today, correct, Frank? Correct. Uh, 12 noon Mountain Time, 2 p.m. Eastern is when the Flames are holding their press conference to introduce not just Craig Conroy as their next general manager, but also uh, Dave Nonis, who I believe is joining the team in a senior vice president role, which also has, I think, an assistant general manager title attached to it. Either way, going to have a seat at the table, and I'll be curious to see if they mention Jerome McGinley at all in an advisory or consultant role. I'm coming to you from the city where Jerome McGinley has a rink named after him. So there's a random little tie-in right there, Frank. Uh, let's talk about some playoff hockey, though. Throwing two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. To start with Sergei Bobrovsky, Frank, a guy who a couple of months ago was the $10 million zero. Well, now he's the $10 million hero. 32 stops in game three, a shutout victory for the Florida Panthers as they take a 3-0 stranglehold on the Carolina Hurricanes. And Frank, I'll get your thoughts on this in just a second. But let's take a look at just how remarkable this run from Bobrovsky is. When you look at the first three games of a conference final, he ranks ahead of some pretty impressive names when you look at total saves made in the first three games of a conference final. And this is a guy whose game has been trending in a good direction for a while. And he seems to be peaking 
right now. A 978 save percentage this round after a 943 against Toronto. And it comes after, again, Frank, a roller coaster of a regular season for Bob. You look at his save percentages month by month through the year for the Florida Panthers. Up, down, up, down. That thing was peaking and falling like the Rocky Mountains. Quite remarkable to see the way Sergei Bobrovsky has gone on this one run, Frank, and in a way carried the Panthers to where they are now in the playoffs. Yeah, there's no question. He's absolutely locked in. And by the way, I can't wait for someone to write the story at some point that, oh man, is this contract, will it have been worth it if the Florida Panthers can win the Stanley Cup? And I'm going to say the answer on that is still a hard no. It's still one of the worst contracts that's ever been signed in NHL history. However, it speaks to, uh, first off, the variability and fickleness of the position. I, I think it's the most fickle position in pro sports. You don't know what you're getting week to week, let alone year to year in a multi-year contract for goaltenders. And he's he's just playing at his absolute peak. I don't think even when Sergei Bobrovsky won two Vezina trophies, did he play as well as he's played right now. So certainly not taking anything away from Sergei Bobrovsky when I say this next part, which is, We've reached the Carolina Hurricanes are like watching paint dry stage of the Eastern Conference Final because I don't know who transported us back to 2001, but this has been a really tough series to watch. And, you know, all credit to Sergei Bobrovsky, 132 saves on 135 shots in this series. I, I feel like I can count on three fingers or five fingers how many scoring chances or, or, uh, really quality grade A chances the Canes have had. I think their style of play, uh, in addition to missing some of their top scorers, has been their biggest enemy. You know, it's like dump and chase, repeat, wash, repent, repeat. It's like over and over and over again, like enough. Please, someone carry the puck into the zone. Please, someone get to within the dots. Make something happen inside of home plate. That's what the Hurricanes have been missing, and now they're down to their last gasp. Yeah, and it really doesn't look like they're going to be able to solve Bobrovsky enough to get one win, never mind the four consecutive they need to save their season. Uh, Alexander Barkov left the game, did not return. Um, Paul Maurice speaking today, doing his radio hit in Florida, said, quote, we don't think it's anything too sinister in regards to uh, in, in regards to Alexander Barkov's injury. So uh, potentially good news there, Frank. But is the, isn't there a part of you when you look at the series up 3 nothing? They should probably just play it safe, right? Oh, 100%. They now have the luxury of time. I, I think that's why, as Paul Maurice said, they were hopeful that he could have came back for game three. Um, and in that case, you know, sit him out. You're, you're leading in game three. You have a chance to go up 3 nothing in the series. As you mentioned, a stranglehold. I don't see any life, any lifeline for the Carolina Hurricanes to get back in the series, which is, sounds kind of odd when you actually think about the way these games have played out. You could make the argument that in, in the three games, in the totality of the three games, regardless of what the series scoreboard says, they might have actually been the better team. Like it, it sounds funny to say that, but um, in this case, the Panthers, you know, they don't ask you how, just like Sergei Bobrovsky's uh, regular season. They just ask you at the end how many wins, and that's all that matters is they continue to fill up that puck tree in their locker room uh, on their way to the Stanley Cup final. 
double OT of game one. They hit a crossbar with almost a wide open net on a power play. The Canes did, that is. And you think about how different this how different this series is if that puck finds a way to go in. Uh, let's shift gears and head out west where the Dallas Stars are looking to avoid a similar fate to the Carolina Hurricanes. The difference being, I guess, that Dallas hasn't lost on home ice yet, which makes tonight's game three between them and the Golden Knights that much more pivotal. For me, what Dallas needs to do, Frank, to get themselves back in this series is eliminate one mistake per game. You look back in games one and two, obviously both overtime losses with Stevenson and Howden being the heroes there. But I mean, at the end of game two, they had that thing. And it was Ryan Suter making some gaffes and the stars just seemed to, for lack of a better phrase, fumble the bag late in that hockey game. Frank, when you look at this series so far, what does Dallas need to do to get back into it? Yeah, that was a heck of a uh, senior moment for one of the NHL's senior yeah. citizens there and Ryan Suter. Um, unforgivable, really, especially given his experience. And when I when I look at this series and how razor thin the margin is, um, this is going to sound more critical than it's meant to be, but they need a stop from Jake Ottinger. You see the series save percentage. You look at the save percentage for the playoffs as a whole. 901 isn't going to get it done. And when you get to OT... And you get late in games, uh, you know, trying to, to hang on to a lead. Where You need your goalie to bail you out every once in a while when you make a mistake like that. And I feel like that's been one of the true difference makers in this series has been they haven't gotten that. Because think about what the conversation was like heading into this round. Need more from Jason Robertson. Okay, well, he scored in each of the first two games of this series. You know, you need pick a player. For the most part, they've gotten it. And... You know, while this hasn't been high scoring by any stretch of the imagination, it's not like I'm sitting here saying, oh, that's what they're left needing is more offense. I think you framed it perfectly by saying they need to cut down on the mistakes that they're making because that's what's biting them in the ass. Yeah, and I like that you brought up Jason Robertson. He appears to be finding his stride a little bit in this series after a couple of slow series to start this playoff run here. They need more from him. I mean, the Benesons is Tyler Sagan? Yeah, I, I mean, there are still a lot of passengers with this hockey club right now. And, I mean, coming back on home ice should give them a boost. I always say in the feeling, I guess, around the Stanley Cup playoffs is you're never really in trouble till you lose at home. But the problem when you don't have home ice advantage is, Frank, if you lose this first one at home, like, it could be... It could be over before it's even really gotten going, it feels like. In both of these conference finals, it's wild. I, I was projecting heading into this series, this this round, both series, six or seven games. Like I didn't envision a short series at all for either one of them. And now you're looking at the Florida Panthers being able to sweep on Wednesday night. And if the Golden Knights are able to win on Tuesday night, another 3 nothing series stranglehold. And guess what? All of a sudden, Tyler... The people in the uh, NHL head office there that were that run the events, they're all of a sudden scrambling saying, oh no, we might have to move up the Stanley Cup final, which was scheduled to start not until June 3rd. Contingency plans are being put in place, I can tell you that. Yeah, uh, let's shift to off-season mode here and start with uh, Kyle Dubas releasing a statement, the former Leafs GM, and Frank, a lot of it was, you know, the usual, thanking the staff and everyone around MLSE for everything they've done for him over the past few years. But for me, the interesting part is in the first three lines where he says, while I understand there is interest surrounding the circumstances of my departure, I will not get into the specifics of what I consider to be reasonable and consistent, but private discussions. That there felt like a little bit of a, you know, 
I didn't like the way that press conference was handled by Brendan Shanahan kind of jab. I, sorry, go ahead. What did you make of it? I, yeah, I said a little bit. Like it's it's quite obvious that Kyle Dubas was hurt by the specificity and detail that Brendan Shanahan went into his press conference with. And frankly, when making a decision like that, he had no choice given the sort of popularity and, and thought of Kyle Dubas around the league to do nothing else other than to provide that detail, lest he get way more questions than what he ended up getting on Friday. But I could understand it from Kyle Dubas's perspective. I guess what sort of shocks me with his statement is that he kind of seemed to double down on this idea of uh, ensuring that I had the full support of my family for what I knew would be required in the offseason and years to follow. Like, I have full respect for anyone that, uh, you know, is family first in their focus with when it comes to their employment and their job. However... I think he made a grave tactical error last Monday when he brought up the idea that he wasn't sure and needed to discuss with his family. First off, no one's buying that because you were in the final year of your deal. And if you think that that wasn't a sort of weekly conversation or topic of conversation between Kyle Dubas and his wife, like, I, I mean, come on, everyone knew where this was heading, whether they lost in round two or round four or whatever it was, this was a conversation that ultimately needed to be had. So to think that it was just parked for the, the meantime of the season, I think, is, is irrational to begin with. And then second, people are playing the world's tiniest violin for you when you talk about that. Like, if you want to talk about the stress of a job, let's talk about the real stresses of a job for a police officer or a firefighter or someone that's a first responder who is, like, quite literally putting their life on the line every day when they go to work. That is is real stress of a job. Not someone making two and a half million bucks running the, you know, one of the premier franchises in the NHL. You know, no one's shedding a tear for you. So to kind of go back to that well again, I was a little bit surprised. Like that's like, you, you probably should have left that part out of the statement because no one feels bad for you. Especially now that you're in this spot that you can go and pick the next destination probably where you work and when you decide to get back in again. Most people in life don't have that luxury. So. Yeah. I think perspective is important here. Uh, just quickly before we wrap this up, some reports that the Penguins could have permission to speak with him. Uh, what's the latest on anything surrounding that? Yeah, so I would say um, I do believe Kyle Dubas is scheduled to engage with the Pittsburgh Penguins about their open uh, GM slash president of hockey ops position. Um, I think the Penguins ownership group has been traveling. The Grand Prix in Monaco. I believe they were there. I do think they put their search on hold until they could get a definitive answer with some of the other candidates that they've spoken to and gone pretty far in the process until they get an answer from Kyle Dubas. But at the same time, um, I, my sense the whole time has been his interest level in this position isn't all that high, given that Pittsburgh's competitive window, their best days are behind us to win, and an arduous rebuild is then in store. My eye, and, and uh, in terms of where Kyle Dubas may head next, is kind of hinges on the sale of the Ottawa Senators. Who is the winning bid? What are their plans for their front office? And does Kyle Dubas factor into that? Because it's just a way better situation, I think, for him. Uh, a way more competitive team on the upswing that he also, by the way, grew up rooting for. And just seems to fit. And can you imagine the narrative that would come from that? Leafs, Sens, 
the legitimate Battle of Ontario that people have been cheering for for a while to finally get that and have Kyle Dubas running the Sens, that would be quite something. But something. again, he's going to work when he decides he wants to work. Running a little behind you. We're going to get to our pal Corey Massasak in two minutes here for uh, part two of our offseason previews for the day. Going to zero in on the Sharks with him. But first, let's talk about another Western Conference team here, Frank. The Arizona Coyotes are up next in our offseason previews. And, I mean, you think back to last week, Logan Cooley, the top three pick from last year, saying he's going back to school. And the word was, hey, there's some uh, definitely some uncertainty about what, what's going on with the future of this Coyotes franchise. And that led to him going back to school for another year. Is it fair to say they might have trouble getting players, recruiting free agents, things like that this offseason, Frank, with all the drama surrounding their arena deal? Yeah, and I don't expect them to be super active in the free agent market anyway, but yeah. how do you think the number 6 and 12 overall picks are going to feel when they're selected by the Arizona Coyotes in a few weeks? Probably not that great. If you could pick any team to not be selected by, they would kind of be toward the top of the list given this circus that's embroiled this franchise for... I don't know, the last 15 years that has now finally come to a head. I think everyone would like to see some kind of clarity now as to what is next for the Arizona Coyotes, but they're out of answers. They're scrambling. They're like a duck underwater right now trying to paddle to shore to save themselves because really their entire franchise future is at stake based on where they're heading next. You know, this, first off, you have to get someone to want you, some municipality, someone to, to buck up and to build your arena. And, and two, you know, you can't go wrong. You can't get it wrong. And, and then time is of the essence related to all of that. So when I think of the Coyotes, I think number one priority is actually like having a franchise in Arizona vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, the, the next arena for the Coyotes. And then two, um, you know, what about... The rest of it. What about building this team out? What about uh, checking a lot of the positional boxes that exist for this team moving forward? You know, they've got a lot of really nice pieces. They've got a bevy of draft picks. And I, I kind of wonder about sort of the future of everything now that, you know, Bill Armstrong has kind of timed this perfectly in, in the sense of, hey, we're going to be really good when we hit the ice in three years in our new home in Tempe. Well, that's out the window now. And, and now I think you also have to put a little bit more of an onus on having a bit of a more competitive team that you could draw interest into to maybe solve some of the first part of your problem. So where are the Coyotes going? The answer, unfortunately, is nowhere fast enough. Yeah, it's going to be something, man. In the next three years, in the first three rounds of the draft, they have 22 picks. That is Can't absolutely yeah, like, what do you, I don't know. That's why I'm like, man, are they going to look to move some of these and get some players on their roster? Their highest paid defenseman under contract for next year is Patrick Nemeth at two and a half million. Like, it's just, go go look at their cap-friendly page. It's absolutely Probably hilarious. overpaid at that, too. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, keep going along and get into today's edition of the All 32 with our pal Corey Massasak.
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Corey Massasak covers the San Jose Sharks over at The Athletic. Appreciate you giving us some time here today, Corey. Uh, let's dig into this San Jose Sharks offseason that's coming up here. And I guess the obvious one to start with is Eric Carlson. What's your read on the situation surrounding the 100-point defenseman? Is it more likely than not that the Sharks are going to move this guy? I think it's more like, well, it's it's in Eric's hands at this point, I think. I mean, they whenever everybody broke at the end of the season – you know, Mike Greer said, we're going to give Eric time. We're going to let him figure out what he needs to figure out. Uh, look, he's got he's got four more years on his contract. This year was, you know, otherworldly. Uh, how much that has helped his trade value because there's still the length on the contract. There's still the injury history. It's sort of to be determined. But, I mean, I think the reality of it is, is it basically comes down to if Eric Carlson, you know, is watching what Brent Burns is doing, is watching what Joe Pavelski is doing and saying, hey, I want to do that before the end of my career, or over, let's say over the next couple of seasons, um, he's going to go, he's going to have a talk with Mike Greer and he's going to say, Hey, if you can find a place for me, and then they're going to try to figure something out. But I'm, I mean, Greer has said repeatedly that they'd be fine with keeping him. Um, you know, I mean, as they show as kind of the entire roster showed this season, having, you know, this hundred point defenseman on the roster didn't necessarily uh, hinder their ability to get a high pick in the draft. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, look, he's, he's been the number one story here, even, even when Timo Meyer was, was sort of being, you know, bandied about as a trade possibility, the, the specter of being able to trade Carlson, given the, the financial implications, uh, was, was kind of still story number one. So just for clarity, Corey, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by what you're saying and that I guess from way out here on the East coast, I was under the assumption that, and reading and see, watching the interviews from Eric Carlson, that 
he's like more than ready to go. Is that not the case? Well, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he's, he, every time he talks about it, he says, I want to win, but I also love living in San Jose and I love playing for this team. And the, I mean, there's a lot of like, like his family, you know, he has built a family in San Jose and, and his wife and his, I mean, small children, like they love it here. And so I think he's a little bit conflicted by that. I, th- I think if he, if he could have a, in a kind of a perfect world situation, Greer would say, Hey, here's our timeline. We're going to be good again before your contract is up. And he would say, okay, but are they actually going to be able to pull that off? It's a whole nother, it's a whole nother story. So, I mean, I, I mean, look, I would say, you know, I, I thought that before the trade deadline, it was going to be really hard for them to get something done, but both sides were kind of motivated to do it. And now we'll see now that they've had kind of some time away from each other. But uh, I mean, I, I think if Eric does want to go, I mean, if he continues to just say like, look, I want to win that, you know, that I think that's they're they're at least going to try to make that happen. There, there's also this, uh, this thing that like, he could want to leave and they could want to trade him and it still might not work out. Like, I mean, there's, there has been interest from other teams, but it's still like huge hurdles. Um, You know, how much money are the sharks going to retain to make it work? Uh, You know, what are what is another team going to be willing to give up given the uncertainty of how healthy he can stay moving forward? All those things kind of play into this. Yeah, no doubt. I I think it's incredibly difficult contract to move even with a hundred point season, given the injury history, given the, sheer cap consequences for someone to bring a contract like that in you're you're likely looking at moving out seven eight ten million bucks just to be able to fit carlson in so it is going to be difficult my my real intrigue with the sharks in their summer is outside of carlson what's the clear number two priority for the sharks to figure out like i look at this team and i say it's an absolute mess they're kind of in no man's land, a, a fourth straight year at the bottom of the standings. They're not getting any better. They don't have, you know, this great sort of cap space scenario where they can begin to get creative and and start to stockpile picks. Like, what do you view as the the next biggest thing for Mike Greer to tackle this summer? Yeah, that, I mean, that, to me, that beyond Carlson, that's like the, the most interesting thing about this offseason for them is who are they going to take with the number four pick? That guy immediately becomes kind of the future face of the franchise almost. And then number two, are they – like they could just sit here and do basically nothing, like just very very minimal around the edges and basically run it back and take another run at the number one pick like they kind of did. They didn't – they weren't outright tanking like Chicago and Arizona were, but they ended up there, you know, within a couple of points of getting number one pick. So – they could just do that and just, you know, pair the number four pick and <clears throat> whoever it is, they get it to the start of the 2024 draft. And then that's like kind of your future, you know, your Kane Taves, Malkin Crosby foundation. But they're also, they're not as, uh, as hard line about this. We're never rebuilding thing. They're sort of like walking that back a little bit. And so like, but they, they do continue to say they want to win as soon as they can. So like, I think, they're going to be, I think basically the way to put it is I think they're going to be like patient. And if someone comes like, like if, if the Rangers couldn't sign Keandre Miller and they just put him up for bid, basically, I think the Sharks would get in on that. However, they, you know, like, I, I think that if there is, if there are like young controllable players out there that they could add to like kind of take a step forward next season, they would like to do that. Now, again, they're the, the, the salary cap situation is weird because they have like four, they're down, they're basically down to four huge contracts, but they're all very long. And there's not a lot of like, they have like Kevin LeBanc and Redeem Shimmick who are on the last year of their deal. 
And so, like, if they basically just wait those out instead of giving up, like, a third-round pick to move one of them, then they do have cap flexibility next summer. But then they still have those four guys that are on the long contracts that are, you know, some measure of immovable. Just quickly, in 30 seconds before we let you go, any shot they buy out a guy like Mark Edward Vlasic? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think Greer was pretty adamant that the buyouts are not – I mean, they're just where they're at. Like, if they were, you know, if they were 10 – if they were eight points away from the playoffs last year and they needed that extra three or four million bucks to add one more player to, to make a run, they would. I think they would be willing to do it. But I think they're just waiting, you know, I think maybe another year or two before that even really comes into the conversation. Perfect. Appreciate the insight, Corey. Thanks for hopping on today. Thanks for having me, guys. Moving along on the show to our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. I asked Corey at the end there about Vlasic, Frank, because it ties into our inbox question today, which is centered around high-priced buyouts this summer. And I want to flash this up. Our friends at Cap Friendly, one of the things in the corner of their site is the popular buyouts that fans are doing. And I always get a kick out of seeing what fans are clicking on the most to see where their teams can get some cap relief. Uh, do you think we'll see any high-priced buyouts around the NHL this summer? I don't. Um, I'd be very surprised. I think the best case, the best uh, option on this list, or most likely, if any of them, would be Oliver Ekman Larson. I project Matt Murray's going to LTIR. John Tavares is going nowhere. Uh, Mikel Granlin doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I think they could, they're better off trying to trade him, even if they have to give up something rather than buying him out. Jack Campbell's not going anywhere. If the Oilers are smart, they'd rehab him. Barkley Goodrow, I don't the this the juice isn't really worth the squeeze. Mike Riley, don't think so. They'll just stash him if they need to. And Mike Hoffman, I'm told the Canadians are trying to move, but aren't going to be paying a huge price in order to do it. An Oliver Ekman Larson buyout would also be a split cost as well, with around half a million dollars, 300K to 600K per year going to the Arizona Coyotes and the Canucks obviously eating the bulk of that. Let's move along to our Batano Daily Bets game three of the Western Conference final goes tonight, and our friends at Batano have the odds up, and they got a lot of them, so let's dig into it. The game starts now at Batano.ca. Frank, I like the Stars to win tonight. This series has been tight. I really don't think we're going to have both series end at 3 nothing through three games. So I am riding with the home side. The Dallas Stars not getting a great payout. The home ice advantage tilts the line a little bit to minus 133. But I like the Stars in this spot. And for my player prop, the Benessons. Jamie Benn has still been on a tear. And he is actually one of the better payouts on this Stars team to just get a point tonight coming in at minus, right around minus 130, minus 140. So Jamie Benn to pick up a point feels like a great spot again, considering how many names are above him on the list and how well he's been playing. Taking Benn and the Stars to win tonight in game three between the Stars and Golden Knights. And that will bring us to wrap up the show with a little garbage time. What do you got, Frank? Well, it seemed like after uh, game three, everyone was in good spirits in Florida because even though they spent the last half of the game at least without their captain and Alexander Barkov, you see this reaction from Paul Maurice. Paul, first, any updates on Sasha? Nope. Um, talking to the guys, uh, they talked about... a bar mitzvah. His neighbor had a... Yeah, that's what we'll go with. Bar mitzvah. <laughs> And he didn't want to disappoint the kids. Is that upper or lower? The bar mitzvah? Yeah. It's on two floors. It's on both floors. It's a big one. 
<laughs> first off, uh, full marks. I don't know who was actually asking the question, but uh, to ask, is that upper or lower? Um, well done there. On one hand, Tyler, I absolutely hate this, the reporter in me, because I think it just speaks to how much of an absolute joke the NHL's injury policy is when it comes to not even being able to tell us whether it was an upper or lower body injury, even though it clearly seemed to be an upper. In this case, though, and that goes back to a larger conversation about gambling and, and all sorts of clarity that I think the public should know if they're putting their hard-earned money on a series. But the NHL clearly doesn't have any interest in that. On the other hand, I really enjoyed the comedy hour from Paul Maurice, who is a funny bastard in his own right. And uh, certainly to come up with that on the fly, he didn't want to disappoint the kids. I mean, come on, that's about as good as it gets. And you can certainly see a coach that is relaxed and enjoying his lot in life, one win away from the Florida Panthers' first trip to the Stanley Cup final since before Tyler was born. Two floors. I love that little part. Uh, also, Frank, I want to give a shout out to Brooks Kepka, winner of the PGA Championship, who shows up at the game. Obviously, a diehard Panthers fan. And how about, as Pete Blackburn pointed out, this insane clap to blink ratio that Brooksy had going on as well? Uh, quite the weekend for him. He won a ton of money by winning the PGA Championship. And uh, knowing what I do about Brooks and listening to different interviews he's done, probably won a little bit of money off his Florida Panthers winning game three as well. Yeah, it seemed like that was a chemically induced clap there. Cool. Uh, let's wrap up the show there. Thanks to everyone who tuned in on the Daily Faceoff YouTube. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button before you go. Stephen Ellis and more coming up tomorrow on the show. So we hope to see you then at noon Eastern. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.